We <coughs> chanted the Anathalakana Sutta this morning. As with all the various verses that we chant, that we recite, it's not just a uh, ritual performance or a, an act of devotion, but these are essential teachings, principles that we are repeating over and over so that they can be taken to heart. They become our toolkit for working with this life, this body, this mind. In the Anattalakana Sutta, we have the, the structure established by the Buddha of reflecting on the five khandhas, the five groups of, of ex- existence, experience, rupa, the body, material form, the solid world, and then the mental world, feelings, perceptions, mental formations, consciousness, mind and body. And using the tools of the experience of change, the actuality of change, anicca, unsatisfactoriness, afflictedness, dukkha, and not-self, anatara. These are the tools with, with which the Buddha is encouraging us to examine, to explore body and mind, the world, inner and outer. Or repeating the words, learning them, and having faith that they're meaningful is one thing. But what really makes a difference in our lives is the application of those tools, moment to moment. Bringing that way of reflection, exploration, examining our life, moment by moment. That's what makes a difference. We might know that oxygen is necessary for our bodies to stay alive, but it's not the concept of oxygen that helps, it's the actuality of the gas in the air. That's what keeps these bodies alive. So similarly, the principles of anicca, dukkha, anatta as the characteristics of existence is helpful to know, important, valid. But what makes them genuinely useful, transformative teachings, is the applying moment by moment, training the heart, the mind, to see through those particular lenses. Or the process that the Buddha uses in that teaching still applies today, two and a half thousand years later. This advice he gave to his five companions in the deer park in Varanasi starts off with the most obvious of the five khandhas, the most tangible, rupa, the body, the material world. 
And he starts off with the most obvious of the, the three characteristics, change. Is the body, is the material world in a state of change? Yes. Yeah. Anybody can see that. We breathe in, we breathe out, we move around. Days and nights come and go. Plants are born and die, animals come and go, birds fly through the sky. Rivers flow, rain falls, sun shines, there's moonlight, starlight. The material world is in a constant state of change. So he starts at the most obvious, tangible, accessible point. So things are in a state of change, anicata, there's changingness. Then, if things are in a state of change, then are they always going to be able to satisfy? Dukangwati, sukangwati. Well, even if something is pleasing now, if it's in a state of change, then it can change to being not pleasing, not helpful, not working. So if things are in a state of change, then necessarily they are subject to affliction, dukang. They can't permanently and completely satisfy on account of that changing nature. The very fluid nature of things means it's impossible for anything to hold together long enough and fully enough to bring permanent, complete satisfaction. So, if something is in a state of change and it's subject to affliction, is it appropriate to say of this, this is mine, this is what I am, this is myself. E tang mama, e so hamasmi, e so me ata. This being on the understanding that if something was a self, an atta, the atman, it would be stable, permanent, blissful, and absolutely who and what we are. Being, consciousness, and bliss would be the, the characteristics of a, of a real atta. So, therefore, because they're in a state of change, because the five khandas are in a... a of a nature to be unable to satisfy, then it's not appropriate to say of, of the five khandas, of the body, feelings, perceptions, mental formations, discriminative consciousness, it's not appropriate to say, this is mine, this is what I am, this is myself. So the Buddha is using a process of elimination based on wise reflection. The habits of attachment to this body, being a man, being a woman, being old, being young, being sick, being healthy, being tall, being short. And our moods, our ideas, our memories, our feelings. The sense of being the person who perceives, who feels, who knows, who remembers. is using a process of elimination exploring each of those, each of those domains, to say, this can't be who and what I am. 
challenging the habits of I am the body, I think, I remember, I feel, this is my life, my mind. Challenging those habitual ways of thinking and seeing to let those go. It's a process of elimination, letting go of the familiar and habitual forms of identification. I'm a woman, I'm a man, I'm old, I'm young, I'm a layperson, I'm a monastic. I live here, I don't live here. There can't be anything solid, permanent and real there. So the Buddha is using a process of elimination, letting go of the habits of identification with what we're not, but without establishing an idea of what we really are. It doesn't replace it with a, another self, another identity. But rather it's a process of letting go. Through letting go of attachment to what we're not, what is real, slowly and steadily, becomes revealed, becomes apparent. Without the thinking mind having to name that or create a self around it or form some kind of identification. The reality is already real. The Dhamma is ever-present. The Buddha chose this manner of approach rather than trying to say what we really are and having that be mistaken for some kind of super-self or a real self. He chose this pathway of letting go of what we're not, breaking those habits of identification with the body, the personality, ideas, emotions, judgments, memories, opinions, plans, seeing those all as empty, transparent, like mirages, like bubbles. Like a conjuring trick. They're empty. There's no substance there. Then what remains is the awake mind. Suchness. It's the felt sense of knowing, peacefulness, limitlessness. The thinking mind, the, the self-creating habits can jump in and say, I am the limitless, that's what I am. I'm the Dhamma, that's the real me. But that's just a thought. That's just the thinking mind and the self-creating habit taking an idea, a philosophical principle, grabbing it and being born into it. The idea, I am the Dhamma, the Dhamma is the real me, is just an idea. It's not a realization. It's not an embodiment of Dhamma. It's just the thinking mind coming up with some words and hanging on to them. The words can help to point towards the realization of that truth, but they can't embody that truth. They don't have enough dimensions. That's why the Buddha chose this method of letting go of what we're not rather than trying to affirm, create an idea of what we really are, quote-unquote.
how to apply these reflections. Using the formal practice, we inquire, we question. When there's a feeling of, I'm thinking, I'm experiencing pain, I hear a sound, bring the attention right to that, I am, I have, I feel. Inquire, ask that question, who is it that feels? What is it that knows this moment? If something owns this body, what shape is that thing that is the owner? Where is it? And when we use this kind of inquiry, we're deliberately not looking for some kind of conceptual answer, but rather it's a spacious, measured process. If there's a noticing that feeling of a, I'm thinking, I'm hearing, catch that, notice it. And very steadily, clearly inquire, who does this sound belong to? And when that question is posed, Systematically, clearly, notice there's a gap, a space, before the thinking mind jumps in. Who does this mind belong to? Who? Who? Who does this mind belong to? Before the thinking mind jumps in and starts producing conceptual answers, there's a space, a gap. That space, that gap, is really the answer to the question. Who am I? What am I? The point of these kind of reflective questions is to break up the habitual patterns of thinking and attitude to help the, the jitta, the wisdom of the heart, to know who is the wrong question. What is the wrong question? The reality isn't really a who or a what. So in that silence, that spaciousness, after a, a reflective question is posed, let the heart rest in that spacious, open knowing before a sense of I forms or a conceptual answer. Even if it's just for a second, half a second, before the thinking mind jumps in and starts producing ideas, What am I? Let the heart embody that spacious, bright, limitless, knowing quality, perfectly simple, totally present, uncomplicated, peaceful, energetic, 
That's the answer to all the questions. We train the heart to embody that quality of awakened awareness, being Dhamma. Not an idea of being Dhamma, but a direct embodiment, an actualization of that quality. No words are necessary. No concept. It's the Dhamma aware of its own nature. Feel that. Embody that realization. Let the, the quality of that, the implications of that, be fully, fully felt. Let that permeate the present. Here it is. The Dhamma aware of its own nature. And every moment is this way. If we let it be known. It's always this way. Nature, knowing itself, the Dhamma aware of its own nature. Perfectly peaceful, complete, energetic. Limitless. Nothing to get, nothing to get rid of. Here it is. <laughs>